بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد respect to listeners assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we continue with the tafsir of surah al-hujurat Last week we completed verse number 13 of this surah and inshallah I'll be speaking on the next verse today Surah Al-Hujurat as I've repeatedly mentioned its theme is how society should be built how so- how the society of Medina was built and in that context the final verse which we covered last week was about the oneness of humanity about humanity having descended from the same set of parents and how ultimately we are all related despite our differing languages ethnicities backgrounds color and complexion we all part of one family and that ethnicity lineage bloodline color complexion race nationality none of these things are a mark of a person's worth or value the only thing which makes a person worthy in the sight of Allah the creator is taqwa the consciousness of allah god consciousness now having spoken about that we now move on to the next verse in which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says qalat al-a'rab amanna qul lam tu'minu walakin qulu aslamna walamma yadkhul al-iman fi qulubikum وَإِن تُطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ لَا يَلِدْكُمْ مِنْ أَعْمَالِكُمْ شَيْئًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Allah says the Bedouin said we have believed say you have not believed but rather say we have submitted and faith iman has not yet entered your hearts and if you do obey allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
he will not reduce anything of your deeds. Verily, Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. Now, this verse was actually revealed when a number of Bedouin came to the Prophet and professed belief in Islam. And they said to the Messenger that we have become mu'min. We are believers. Now, this was very late. So these people weren't from Mecca. They were Bedouin from a clan, well, some of the tribe of Banu Asad. So they were not from Mecca, but they were from the desert between Mecca and Medina. And they had never assisted the Prophet ﷺ prior to this. And this was after the conquest of Mecca. So there was no longer the traditional hijrah which existed before the conquest of Mecca. So they had never taken part in any expeditions with the Prophet ﷺ. They had never assisted him or supported him in any way. They had never fought against him either. But nor had they fought with him. And nor had they actually done the hijrah from out of Medina to Medina before the conquest of Mecca. So there were latecomers to the faith and they were just part of a very large group of people who were now embracing Islam. Because the situation in Arabia was that the many of the Arabs who weren't part of Mecca or part of Medina but were scattered throughout Arabia they actually played a waiting game to the extent that they would say we are not going to accept Muhammad as a messenger but nor are we going to oppose him we'll see which way the wind blows at that time, of course, they did not believe in any way. So they played a waiting game, even going to the extent of saying that we won't oppose, the, oppose Muhammad, we won't support him, we won't oppose him. And of course, they had no faith at the time, they were just Bedouin, they were just Arabs. And they thought he was just another leader. And so... They categorically used to say, many of them, that we'll see what happens, we'll see which way the wind blows. And if the Muggans triumph over Muhammad and his companions, many of them saw this as a conflict between the two city-states of Mecca and Medina, between the Quraysh and the people of the Ansar, the they wouldn't call them the Ansar, but the Aus and Khazraj and the people of Yathrib. So they actually saw this as a conflict between two city-states. 
and they preferred to remain neutral, neither siding with any one party or opposing any one party or believing in the Prophet However, when Mecca was conquered, then immediately thereafter in the ninth year of Hijrah, many people came to Medina and embraced. And this was known as Amul Wufud, meaning the year of the delegations. Because now the Prophet ﷺ's power was consolidated. Those who were doubtful, they now believe that he was all-powerful. And their hearts and minds opened up to his message. And many people began embracing. Of course, it doesn't mean that they necessarily embraced Islam out of fear or that they were hypocritical and they embraced now and accepted the Prophet as a leader and that their embracing Islam and their becoming Muslim was in itself insincere because they were just going with the flow. No. In fact, when the Prophet in the ninth year of Hijrah, when he marched north towards Sham, and then he camped at Tabuk and did not continue his journey further north. And then having camped at Tabuk, he returned. During that stay in Tabuk, many of the surrounding tribes, because this was to the extreme north of the Arabian Peninsula, many of the surrounding tribes came and paid homage to the Prophet Some of them were Christian because now they were in Shami territory. This is to the north of Arabia and many of the tribes there had always been Christian. They were Arabs, but they were Christian. Banu Ghassan, the Ghassanids. So a number of them actually came, paid homage to the Prophet ﷺ, entered into treaties with him, but did not embrace. They remained Christian. And they made it clear to the Prophet ﷺ that we pay homage to you, we honor you, but we remain Christian. We do not share your belief, we do not share your faith. And the Prophet ﷺ actually entered into agreements with them and even accepted their leadership of the tribes in their areas. One of the tribal leaders was Yohanna the Arabic for John. So one of the tribal leaders was actually called Yohanna, and he was recognized as a leader by the Prophet ﷺ in that north, northern region of Arabia. So there is no suggestion that the Arabs embraced insincerely, because there was no compulsion whatsoever. If anything, the Prophet ﷺ accepted the homage of a number of Christian tribes and their leaders and actually reinstated them as leaders and recognized their leadership of those tribes and he entered into agreements with them. And they recognized him as being the supreme ruler of Arabia and their sovereign. So there was no suggestion that the Arabs were insincere. But their minds and hearts began opening up to Islam and to the Prophet Some of them 
may not have been initially as passionate as the Sahaba anhum were from the very beginning of Makkah al-Mukarramah. In any case, th- these tribesmen of the Banu Asad, of part of the Asad tribe, they were one of those people who embraced Islam after the conquest of Makkah, Makkah and they did embrace sincerely. But the difference between them and the other Sahaba anhum was that they embraced late, after the conquest of Mecca. They never undertook any struggle with the Prophet And so when they came and said to him, we are believers, or we are mu'min, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to remind them and others there is a great difference between them. And the Quran does not deny their faith. But it points out the difference in their position and the position of the Sahaba. Those who believed in him in the face of adversity, in hardship, in turmoil, in trouble and who made sacrifices, who stood with him, who suffered as a result, who never wavered for a moment, and who were there with him from the very beginning. They are the mu'minun, they are the ones who are mu'minun in that they have iman. Whereas the newcomers, they hadn't yet displayed anything which reflected that inner conviction and inner faith, though there was no denial of the inner faith, that true level of faith. But since they had just recently embraced, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded them that do not call yourself mu'min because the rank of iman is truly great. Rather, you should say of yourselves, we have merely submitted. We've embraced Islam apparently. So this is the meaning of the verse, Qalatil A'rab, the Bedouin said. And which Bedouin are we talking about? Not all the Bedouin, but just some. And in this particular instance, these were some of the tribesmen of the Banu Asad, of the Asad tribe. So they came to the Prophet wasallam and they said, Amanna, we have become mu'min, we have embraced iman, faith. So Allah says, Say to them, you have not embraced Iman. You have not become Mu'min. You have not become true believers. Rather, rather say, Aslamna, we have submitted. And Iman has not yet entered your hearts. So this is not a denial of their faith. This is not to suggest that they were not Muslims or they were hypocrites in any sense. No. Rather, it's just that Islam has many grades. Islam has ranks. And a person progresses in their faith. And undoubtedly, there is a huge difference between a person who's simply following the rules of Islam apparently and another person whose heart 
is enriched with Iman. And there are many ranks. The Prophet he was a messenger of Allah, but the Sahaba they were Muslims. And people of today who embrace the faith are Muslims. But we can't even begin to imagine the difference between the Iman of the whole Ummah today and the Iman of just one of the Sahaba radiallahu So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded the Arab Bedouin and all of us that Islam is of grades. And I've covered this in great detail in my commentary of the Hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam, which we did a few months ago, in which Jibreel alayhi salam came in the form of Dihya al-Galbi radiyallahu an, and Umar radiyallahu an narrates a hadith and he says that none of us recognized him nor was he a traveler. He came and sat down before the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam placed his hands on his knees and then said to him, O Muhammad, tell me about Islam. So the Prophet sallallahu said, Islam is أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت إن استطعت إليه سبيلا. So this man whom the Sahaba did not recognize as being Jibreel, they just saw him as a very strange person who came in, a very, in very strange circumstances and acted strangely and asked very strange questions. So the first question which he posed to the Prophet is, what is, tell me what's Islam? So the Prophet said, Islam is that you testify verbally that there is no God except Allah. And that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And that you establish salah, you give zakah, you fast in the month of Ramadan, and that you perform the pilgrimage of the house if you are able to find a way to it, a path to it. So he said, Sadaq, you've spoken the truth, you've spoken correctly. So Umar says, we marveled at him, and some of the Sahaba began muttering amongst themselves that look at him. He asks the Prophet a question. When he gets a reply, he's affirming the answer. And then he asked him, what's Iman? So the Prophet said, Iman is that you believe in Allah. And then he mentioned the articles of faith. That you believe in Allah, the angels, the final day, the book. And then you believe in Qadr, good and bad. Again, he said to him, you've spoken the truth. Then he asked him a third question, what's Ihsan? So the Prophet said, Ihsan is that you worship Allah as though you see him. And if you do not see him, then that he sees you. So these are three, of course there were more questions, but this is what concerns us now. These three questions encompass religion.
And these are the three grades of faith. The first is Islam, and the questions were progressive. The first rank is Islam, the second rank is Iman, and the third rank is Ihsan. And of course, in everyday language, we synonymously and interchangeably use the words Islam and Iman, Muslim and Mu'min, and that's completely permissible. But there is a clear technical difference between the two. Islam is apparent submission. Iman is inner faith. And Ihsan is the highest of these grades. A person can be of the first rank and yet be missing the other two. A person can actually be of the first rank and the second rank and yet not reach the third rank. But the later ones can only come if the previous ones are there as a foundation. The upper layers can only exist on the lower layer. And it's impossible to imagine someone not being a Muslim yet having Iman. Or not being a Muslim or having Iman and yet enjoying the rank of Ihsan. So every Muslim is not necessarily a mu'min, but every mu'min has to be a Muslim, because he can't be a mu'min without being a Muslim. And a Muslim is one who just apparently submits, because that's all we can go by. If someone testifies to the faith, fulfills the obligations of religion apparently, we wouldn't know any better they may actually be hypocritical. But we have to accept them at face value. We can't judge them. And we deal with them as though they are Muslim. We accept their Islam. So all the responsibilities and the duties and the dynamics of relationships that are governed by being a Muslim all come into play because we are unable to detect the true level of their inner faith. But it's impossible for a person to be a mu'min or claim to be a mu'min and yet not have Islam, which is apparent submission. And as I've said before, Islam does not mean peace literally. Of course, Islam is about peace. And the Prophet ﷺ, as a play on the words, he says, That the Muslim is one at whose hands others remain safe. So being a Muslim means you give security and you provide safety to others. That's part of being a Muslim. But technically, linguistically, Islam itself as a word does not mean peace. It means submission. To submit to the command of Allah. And that's following in the footsteps of the Prophet Ibrahim who submitted to the command of Allah. On occasion after occasion, most famously, on the occasion of the sacrifice. So Islam just means to submit. A Muslim is one who submits 
So if someone embraces Islam, prays, fasts, all they've done is submitted, apparently. That external submission does not necessarily have to be reflected in a person's heart. It doesn't mean faith. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, the Bedouin here. The Bedouin claim that we are mu'min, we are believers. So Allah said to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa tell them, you are not believers, you are not mu'min. Rather, say of yourselves, aslamna, we have submitted. We have apparently become obedient. And then Allah categorically says that iman, meaning that level of iman, has not yet entered your hearts. That will come. And that's why Allah says towards the end of the verse, وَإِن تُطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ لَا يَلِدْكُمْ مِنْ أَعْمَالِكُمْ شَيْئًا That indeed, if you do obey Allah and His Messenger, Allah will not subtract, Allah will not take away anything of your deeds. Allah will give you your reward in full. That shows that they weren't hypocrites. Allah doesn't condemn them. Allah reminds them of the reality of their situation. And this is explained further, meaning these divisions and this distinction, by that famous story which I've related on numerous occasions of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas recorded by Imam Bukhari and others in their books. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas says that I was once with the Prophet وسلم, when, and I'm paraphrasing the hadith from different narrations from different books, some of the newly embraced leaders of the tribes, they came to him and asked him for wealth. So the Prophet ﷺ gave them. And in the group of people who were present, he gave to those who asked, but he deliberately excluded one person. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, who was seated there, he thought that maybe the Prophet has given to the rest and excluded this one person because he does not think him to be worthy of receiving something from the Messenger of Allah. Or that maybe he doubts his loyalty. Or were still his faith. And Sa'ad radiallahu knew that person to be a sincere follower, a loyal believer. So Sa'ad radiallahu actually spoke up and said, Ya Rasulullah, what is the problem with that person? Malaka an fulan. The name is not mentioned here in this particular hadith. What is the problem with this person or what do you have against this person? That you gave everyone else but you excluded him. And then Sa'ad radiallahu anhu says, Wallahi inni la'arahu mu'minah. By Allah, indeed I see him, I know him to be a mu'min. So the Prophet didn't respond to the objection of Sa'ad radiallahu anhu except with, with the words, O Muslimah. Meaning, don't say mu'min, say Muslim. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu fell silent. But he says that this question was burning in me. 
So I couldn't contain myself and I spoke up again. And I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why have you excluded him? <coughs> Indeed, I know him to be a mu'min. So all that the Prophet said in reply was, O oh, Muslimah, rather you should say Muslim. Sa'd radiyallahu an fell silent. And he says, but what I knew about him overwhelmed me. And therefore I couldn't contain myself. And I again spoke up and said, Ya Rasulullah, why have you excluded him? Wallahi inni la'arahu mu'mina by Allah, I see him as a mu'min. So the Prophet again said, O oh, Muslimah, rather you should say Muslim. Then the Prophet actually placed his noble hands on the, around the neck of Sa'd and said to him, Come here, O Sa'd. Know that at times I give to certain people, even though they are less beloved to me and less dear to me than others. But I give them out of fear that they may be punished by Allah. Meaning that if I, these people came to ask me, they are newcomers to the faith, they are tribal leaders. If I refuse their request, since they are so new to the faith, and they've come to the faith after many years of opposition. If I refuse their request, if they become disillusioned or disgruntled, and in that state they rebel, or even if they don't rebel, they say something untoward regarding me, that would be blasphemous. Either way, they would be liable to the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> they are vulnerable. And therefore, I honoured their request <clears throat> in order to win their hearts. But there are others who are more beloved to me than these people. But I do not give them because I hand them over and I leave them to the conviction of their hearts and their contentment. And this was a case here. And this is why the person who Sa'd was speaking of was a companion known as Ju'il ibn Suraqah. And this Ju'il ibn Suraqah, whom the Prophet actually excluded and did not give wealth, and for whom Sa'd radiallahu anh spoke up thrice in this manner. The Prophet وسلم, once asked Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu on the same occasion, it may have been on the same occasion, that Abu Dhar radiallahu saw that the Prophet وسلم, was honouring and giving to certain leaders and certain individuals. He wasn't giving to Ju'ayl. 
So the Prophet asked Abu Dhar and Abu Dhar was very outspoken. He was always outspoken. So the Prophet said to him, Oh Abu Dhar, what do you think of this of Ju'ayl, Ju'ayl ibn Suraqa. So Abu Dhar said, Miskeen, he's a very poor person, and he is, as he is, like other poor people. Then the Prophet said about someone else, and what do you think of him, O Abu Dhar? So the Prophet Abu Dhar said, Ya Rasulullah, he is a leader of his people. So the Prophet said, No, that Ju'ayl alone is more worthy than a world full of such people. So Abu Dhar said, Ya Rasulullah, you say this, and yet you gave to him, but you excluded him. So the Prophet said the same thing to him. That I give to those who are less dear to me for the fear that they may be open to Allah's displeasure. So subhanAllah, imagine the position of Ju'ayl ibn Suraqah that the Prophet actually testifies personally and says, I don't need to give him because his heart is rich with contentment, even though he may physically be poor. One. Two. He alone is worth a world full of people like these tribal leaders. And yet, despite this testimony, the Prophet ﷺ thrice reminded Sa'ad that, O Sa'ad, do not say of him that you know him to be a mu'min, rather just say Muslim. Muslim is a first rank. Iman is a great rank, which comes much further, much later. Now, SubhanAllah. On the one hand, we have the story of Ju'ayl ibn Suraqah. On the other hand, we have these same Bedouin, who, indeed, they hadn't joined the Prophet ﷺ before, they hadn't supported him, they hadn't done the Hijrah. And this is why it's narrated that one of the reasons for the revelation of this verse is that these Bedouin wanted to consider and regard themselves as being some of the Muhajirun. But how could they be? They embraced much later. They did not support the Prophet ﷺ prior to this. They did not do the Hijrah. But still, despite all of that, they embraced sincerely. They met the Messenger they beheld him, they spoke to him, they were present in his company, they were companions. And yet Allah tells them, the Prophet says of Ju'ayl that do not say of him that he is a mu'min, rather say he is a Muslim, even though he testifies that he alone is worth more than a world full of those tribal leaders. And Allah says to these Bedouin, who saw the Prophet ﷺ, who spoke with him, who, who conversed with him, who were present, who embraced Islam at his hands. Allah says of them 
that still even you, you are only Muslim, you are not Mu'min. So what should we say of ourselves? What should we say of ourselves? We regard ourselves as being Mu'min. We consider ourselves to have Iman. Wallahu alam, Allah knows best is if even our Islam is correct, our apparent submission, let alone inner iman. So this is the meaning of this verse. The Bedouin said, and this, is, this doesn't mean all of the Bedouin, just some of Banu Asad, the Asad tribe. The Bedouin said, we have believed. Say to them, you have not believed, you are not mu'min. Rather, you should say, we have submitted. And iman has not yet entered your hearts. But then Allah says, that will come. And if you obey Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is the key. Throughout the Qur'an, Time and time again, Allah mentions the obedience of the Prophet alongside the obedience of Allah. There is no concept of one without the other. You can't obey Allah when disobeying the Messenger There is no obedience of Allah without the obedience of the Messenger. And there is no obedience of the Messenger without the obedience of Allah. Some people have gone to the extent of elevating the Prophet to a rank far, far, far beyond what Allah has given him. To the extent that they consider themselves to be obedient of the Messenger وسلم, Obedient of the Messenger وسلم, They don't mind if they actually disobey Allah in the process. They can, there can be no obedience of the Messenger without the obedience of Allah. And there can be no obedience of Allah without the obedience of the Messenger. Verse after verse testifies to this. In fact, Allah goes to the extent of saying... That nay, by your Lord, O Messenger of Allah, they will never believe until they make you the arbitrator in their disputes, in the conflicts and the disagreements that arise between them. Then when you judge between them, they do not harbour any ill will or reservation in their hearts at your judgment. So not only is the obedience of the Messenger obligatory, 
in order to consider oneself obedient of Allah? No. If the Prophet ﷺ makes any judgment, then part of a person's iman is that that individual harbors no reservation or doubt or ill feeling regarding that judgment of the Prophet of Allah. We until they do not submit totally to the Messenger of Allah. Because that verse doesn't speak about submission to Allah, it speaks about submission to the Messenger of Allah. So here again, Allah says, reminding the Bedouin, وَإِن تُطِيعُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And if you obey Allah and His Messenger. That's why in the verse, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ Say, if you love Allah, then obey me, follow me. One can't claim to love Allah and refuse to follow the Prophet Subhanallah. It may sound surprising, but there are some who say that we are Muslim. We are Muslim. If I can give you the example of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and Umar and they are normally referred to as Shaykhain, the two elderly ones of the Ummah, the Shaykhain, Abu Bakr and Umar. So there are those who say of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman that these three usurped the authority of the Khilafah and they laid, a fault, they laid a false claim to the leadership of the Ummah and they abused them as a result. But there are others who actually say of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman ajma'een, that essentially the leadership of the Ummah should not have gone to them. It was a mistake. It was a mistake on the part of the whole Ummah, it was a mistake on the part of the companions to make them the leaders. The leadership should have gone to Ali from the very first day, but not to Abu Bakr, Umar and Uthman. But although we say it's a mistake, it's an error and it was wrong, we will go along with it. Not, not then, now, retrospectively, many centuries later, we will go along with it. So we accept it and we won't abuse them. But we still say, we still say that their leadership was wrong. The leadership should not have gone to Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman. And they were wrong in accepting it. The others were wrong in making them the leaders. But since it happened, we won't oppose it. And retrospectively, we accept it and we'll go along with it. And we won't say anything ill of these three, Abu Bakr, Umar and Uthman. Now, if you find that surprising, listen to the following.
There are those who say we are Muslim. We believe in Allah. And we believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But in the same light, they say, the truth is, Jibreel made a mistake in taking Nubuwa and prophethood to Muhammad. It should have gone to Ali ibn Abi Talib. But Jibreel made a mistake. But fine, we accept it. Therefore, we won't say anything ill of Muhammad ibn Abdullah. But we accept his prophethood. Although we still maintain that he was in error. That Jibreel, of all people, Jibreel made a mistake. In making the Prophet, in making Muhammad the son of Abdullah the Prophet. But retrospectively, we accept it, we'll go along with it, we won't say anything ill of Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Now, why do I mention that in this context? That some, some people may say, how can anyone think? Or are there people who say that we obey Allah but not the Messenger? Of course, there are many. So Allah says, وَإِن تُطِيعُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And if you obey Allah and the Messenger, His Messenger, لَا يَلِدْكُمْ مِنْ أَعْمَالِكُمْ شَيْئًا He will not reduce of your deeds anything in the least. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you an opportunity to show yourselves to Allah. You do what you have to. Allah will give you your reward in full. Allah will not reduce your reward. And this was a message to those Bedouin. That although Allah is saying to you, you are only Muslim at this stage, Iman has not yet entered your hearts, but there is a way of, the, of Iman entering your hearts, which is apply yourselves to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do what's required of you. And in that way, you will become true mu'minun. You will become mu'mineen. And in the process, any good deed that you do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not reduce anything of your good deeds, of your reward. Not in the least. Allah ghafoorur rahim and Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can actually then explains who the true mu'minun were. So he tells a Bedouin, you are not mu'min. So then who were the mu'min? So Allah explains who the mu'minun were at that time. And he speaks of the noble companions, radiyallahu anhum. But that's a, a different topic, inshallah. We'll continue with that next week. May Allah Azza wa Jal enable all of us to understand. May he make us amongst those who reach the rank of iman and even beyond the rank of ihsan. وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك